Hey everyone, welcome back to Ferocious Compassion. This is episode four. Our episode today features Anne Green, the Shinologist. Anne is the founder of Bliss Anne Green Yoga. She's a visionary and she creates a unique movement and educational experience through her workshops and leadership. Her programs include contributions to the Canadian Sports Medicine and Orthopedic Surgery Councils. She's been featured in Yoga Journal, The Daily Tea, NBC News, Optimize Magazine, and numerous other articles, podcasts, and shows. Anne is passionate about health awareness for concussion through her personal experience and has created a leading foundational program to navigate support for caregivers and thrivers called Brainstorm. Anne's remarkable resiliency makes her a sought after keynote speaker and her Olympic dream and experience support her work as an empowering high performance coach to many athletes and entrepreneurs. Anne is happiest when spending time in nature with her loving family, enjoying outdoor adventures near home on the cusp of beautiful Ontario, Canada. I am so excited to welcome Anne Green, the Shinologist, to Ferocious Compassion. Hey, Anne. Hi, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing really well uh, now that I'm here with you. Oh, thank you so much. It is so great to be with you here today, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I couldn't wait to interview you because I've been following you on Instagram for years. And there are times where I don't really go on there a lot, but I there's a few people that I look to for inspiration and guidance. And you always have this amazing way of you've just got this light and you've got this positive way that you make everything feel like it's going to be okay. And so I think now, especially that just feels so nurturing and good. And I really want to start out our talk today by asking you, how do you maintain that level of positivity? Oh my goodness. First of all, thank you. I think it's extremely important to say thank you if there's ever um, a belief system, a way, or uh, very daringly to say prayers daily, to express gratitude daily is to say thank you. So thank you for that. That was very enriching and uplifting and beautiful. And I'm, I'm so um, overwhelmed with that. There are tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> Thank you for that. I do um, I just simply express myself and express a piece of my heart, which is extremely vulnerable. And I find social media to be overwhelming and overwrought with places that are uh, quite polar and polarizing in those two places of have and have not of that. And I choose to be who I am. And I am a person that is emotional. And um, also in the kindest and tenderest of ways of intelligence overt, I tell my truth. And I hope that that helps to lead. So um, that's one of the ways that I stay truthful to that. I simply tell the truth. I um, stay this way. I stay compassionate by passing myself along. 
So you asked me, how do I do that? The word itself, come pass I on, compassionate. Um, I take a look at how things are. I um, value that it's not about me, but there might be a lesson I'm going through that could be very supportive to myself and to others. And um, I just had a very endearing conversation in a healing situation with someone today in my own self-care and how I go to others' wisdoms to help my self-care. And um, I do take uh, nature as great depths of um, endearing places to support myself, staying in my resonance, my shine, my reverence of myself, my being. I nurture my nature. That is how I stay truthful to myself daily. And I do other components that help me keep those frequencies so that the edges of nature blur to who I am and who I am not. I always make sure I'm very close to nature. I do modalities such as Reiki. I do modalities such as um, massage. I haven't had massage in a while, but to me, using the frequencies of Reiki are very important. And so um, I was working with my Reiki master today. And um, and one of those components of talking to that came up and you know, working with that patina, that polish my own shine is very important. I work with many people in a frequency of being person to person, which is a little less right now, quite a lot less for myself because of this retreat time that we are experiencing. And um, all the more important and all the more reason in my support system of others that I do the self-care that I take the self-care, that I am immersed in opportunities of daily ritualization of my value. And my value is to make sure that I love myself. I take care in loving ways of myself and I put those needs first. Um, this comes down to boundary work. This comes to boundary work. So that's, that's how I can do what I do. I have um, strong boundaries. And where I'm getting to is something very important. I think most people will come to learn about me. One of my herstories is that I'm a thriver of cancer. I have survived cancer and I continue to do that on a daily basis. And one of the things that I do, which does cause people to look at that word overt and uh, maybe have a negative connotation about it. I think it's a very positive word. I think to be clear and transparent and uh, clarifying when you choose to use words, also when you choose to express emotion and be vulnerable in your emotion and be safe in your expression of it and appropriate and kind and tender in your emotion. You're not doing anyone good, most especially yourself, when you repress emotion. And I know that moving through a good part of my life, I really repressed a lot of emotion around one particular event in my life that uh, let alone not being compassionate to others, I was extremely non-compassionate to myself. And I know that that was a massive part and parcel of how my body fought back and created cancer cells in my being. And so um, I just had this just moments ago before this interview, 
uh, talk with a very beautiful human that understands energy and all beings are energy. We are just this incredible, majestic magnification of star energy, electrical combustion, moving on this incredible piece of stardust in the universe moving and a blip in time, although we seem like we're time standing still at some points. And, um, you know, if you are holding back anger, it's your body will create what that is. So we often get in our talking to things that even anger itself is something which is a very important emotion to express. We just need to learn how to express it with appropriateness, but it absolutely is something we need to express. And very, um, as much as I express caring, I need and want to express that. I think it's also important that that expression of um, all of your emotions is important. So my writing, <laughs> my expression, expression on uh, social media is a major component of having learned how to care for all polar aspects of my being. And um, if that helps one person, then it's helped. So it's helping because Jane, it's helped you. <laughs> Such beautiful words. This is why I've been following you for years, clearly. There's, this is, I think you just gave everyone a lesson that they should all take notes on and follow through with, study, contemplate. I want to ask you if you can tell us about your journey a little bit deeper and what led you onto the path that you've been on. Tell us a little bit about where you live, you know, your childhood upbringing, and how you got to where you are right now. Okay. Awesome. That's uh, I'll try to make it short (laughs) (laughs) or brief or beautiful in a little pathway here. Um, So I'm in Ontario, Canada, and I was born in central Ontario, but very early my family moved to Northern Ontario. So I'm very connected to nature and um, very wild child. Um, Wildum is just the way that I was um, grown and my father is an environmental engineer, so that most certainly had an experience of that and was part of the pioneering upbringing of um, the um, matriarchal aspect of my family as well. My grandmother was a very powerful um, pioneer, landing in Canada and starting her own farm at the age of 16. So, And I learned a lot of that at her, at her funeral. I learned so much that she just kept humbly to herself. I learned so many incredible stories about her um more since her passing than than her alive she doesn't talk about herself so that's part of why i also tell stories now too i learned that that's not good to repress your children and your grandchildren and your your family should know your culture and know your story it's important to be a storyteller alive and um so from these backgrounds of living in the north um, it's really important to be connected to the, the place around you because it's so vibrant of like, I mean, being Canadian is also about asking about the weather every day. <laughs> so you may as well really be a part of it all and embrace it. So embracing it is uh, part of that shine of polishing the patina of who you are. And um, it was just nurtured into that. And um, one of my gifts um that I believe was part of who I am was to move and to express myself through athleticism and movement. And I just 
loved everything, the iteration of movement and the creativity of letting my body do the things that it can. And that brought me into gymnastics, which from a very young age allowed me to travel quite wide and far across Canada and parts of the Northern States. And, and then that further expressed um, through high school as a Northern athlete, I thought it was very normal to go to these all Ontario championships in every single sport that you did and then bring you to the Canadian championships in every single sport that you <laughs> did. I didn't, I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. And, um, and then from there that brought me into fostering a love for one particular sport and track and field. And, and that brought me into a great um, opportunity to, to, um, to represent Canada and, um, to do some really lovely things at a national level and world level. And I had many years of that and being on teams and Olympic dreams were met and that was really beautiful. And through all of this being grounded, I saw some things where coaches really wanted some components of things to be met that agreed, but also kind of didn't manifest how I was brought up. Very humble beginning, very, um, uh, strong understanding of doing things for your own right. My father had a background in the NHL and was a strong, strong athlete himself in speed skating too. And just really did things for himself and not for the glory. And, um, and so I wasn't allowed interviews and I still to this day, you'll only find a certain amount of what my background was in, in um, my accomplishments. And that's out of my father's legacy and his wish and I adhere to that. And um, it's not about what I did. That's nobody's you know, concern, but my family's. And I still stick to that. My father's no longer with us. And so I for sure really respect that. And I uphold that. And those are my stories. And I'll share them in these ways, not with anybody searching it up on Google. Sure. Uh, right. And um, that's just family protection and family living up to legacy. It was more of a way of being of service and family. That's what it was about. To, if you could do a gift, could it also gift others? And, and that's what our family believed in. And so my father had a very big hand in food banks and that ended up going across Canada and um, was very um, empowered in helping others. And, and that's where it brought things. So my way of helping others was helping people nourish their bodies through movement and using that that deep knowledge of um, seeing my father, you know, helping him stock shelves and this curated concept of a food bank from the young age of like six or seven and using these skills to see that, wow, this helps people feel better about themselves. They now know how to nourish. They know how to help themselves at home and do better. And um, we needed it so we could help others. That's really cool. And, um, and then I brought that into how people move and how they take care of their bodies and um, that just became what inspired me to do this. And um, so I help people empower themselves with their own ideas and bring that forth further into the empowerment of the therapeutics of yoga and movement and thought processes and um, looking at an idea and bring it into a set of concepts for yourself to help you grow. So um, I don't have like one word to explain what I do. Mm. <laughs> Move move into what you are. You're, it, it seems like you're taking a really fantastic approach to yoga. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> it's, it's unusual. 
it's very unusual. And um, so there again is this one word, you know, I'm polarizing. I am very anatomical and I love to watch and observe how a body can be seen, not at the place where you think you need to change something because often people say they're doing something for change. What about honoring what you are, right? Honoring what you are. And I love my teachers and my teacher's teachers and the yogis of all time and um, have such deep respect for the, um, the yogis have such many, 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 many historically and historically years of tradition that is such ingrainment in my knowledge and my traditions and yoga is a philosophy. I don't like the static and the mediocrity of this physical asana practice. I like the dogma and I like the philosophy and I like the understanding of the politicalness of yoga that really ingrains me into this concept of changing the good and being in the good and seeing the possibility and allowing people to express um, where they are and meeting people where they're at. And that to me is therapeutic and it's self liberating. And I like um, to help people liberate themselves coming as you are and allowing yourself to see your magnificence and to allow your magnificence to come through and that isn't a place for me to um, be anything except observational with you side by side and be a guide with you and to learn with you. And that's very different in an approach of yoga. So perfectly said. And you know, I've been a yoga teacher for almost 25 years now. I had a little break because I broke my leg and had quite a bit of time off. And I have really come full circle with my practice where I started out just basic and then immediately went into some pretty intense stuff and have taught every kind of yoga you can imagine. And now I find myself being really drawn to back to the basics, almost like I want to just be a beginner again. Like I want that fresh beginner's mind and I want to empty out everything I know about it and just start fresh. Isn't it lovely? Isn't it lovely to open up to these possibilities just to expand our growth and envelop this tender tendril awakening? You know, it's, um, this sense of a laying fallow field, so ready to be nurtured and soak up all the, the, the nourishment. It's, it's, it's truthfully a nourishment and allow that shine to just, um, you know, it's staying in the golden. So I call it staying, staying mm. in the golden, this essence. We are essence. And it's um, so lovely to allow the soak, to stay in the soak of that golden. And um There's so much space in that. There's so much space in that. There's so much availability and possibility. It's just immense. (laughs) It's immense. And um, it just doesn't have limitation. And um, it's this availability to becoming. It's this limitless possibility to becoming. And it's so beautiful. And you can see so much in yourself and people, and it's not a holding, 
it's the staying power and it's just a rise and an upward spiral of beauty. Um, and there's this shadow, there's all these shadows in there that play lights and tricks and loveliness. And it's, you know, you see the artist in it, you see the, the, the shades and the texture and you see all this different playfulness and it's such a place of beauty such a place of um, being able to see uh, depth and darkness as well as arriving. And um, it's just so lovely. And to, to say that you're an architect and an artist and um, you know a philanthropist all at the same time is so wonderful in that kind of build of becoming when you, when you play there. And it's playful. <laughs> and the word reverence has been really on my mind lately. I've been doing a lot of writing about teaching yoga in Italy, leading retreats in Italy, working on another book, and really stepping into that feeling of deep reverence for all of the thousands of hours of yoga that I taught and all the thousands of people that I met. And just really being able to see the beauty of it all you know, coming full circle. I want to switch gears a little bit. And I wonder if you could tell us about Rainstorm and what oh. what's behind that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's actually not really switching gears too much. And yes, yes, it is switching gears. Okay. Too. <laughs> Brainstorm is a beautiful um, insight. Um, movement. Uh, supportive system of self-regulation to navigate. It is a sense of navigation. So it is an anchoring and a letting go. It is a place to help people. Um, so it's kind of like my dad's food bank idea. Um, it's my idea of supporting because it's something that I've gone through and I'm going through and I'm living through. Um, I am uh, brain injured and uh, I have uh, sustained, we think, we don't even know how many <laughs> concussions I've had. <laughs> I uh, just about two years ago had my most, um, probably I will use the word wicked <laughs> concussion um, because that seems to tenure the best component to its outcome um, concussion. And um, I just felt the most obtrusive outcome from this past concussion, the most compounding effects of this past one. And I needed help more than I'd ever needed. I couldn't read. I was really good at pretending I could. I couldn't see right. I couldn't balance. I wasn't functioning well. I was not in a mental health state that was okay for anybody. And I was really compartmentalizing well. And, and I, I was really good at tricking everybody. And I still ran a very big studio and business through it all. And had people around me left, right, and center, not understanding and going through um, forgivingly and honestly, going through some of their own stuff that just had to bail on me. And also just couldn't handle it so bailed on me <laughs> and um and that's okay like I get it like that's that's them and that's what they needed and that's their path 
And um, so Brainstorm came in a love affair to help. And Brainstorm is a program, a heartfelt place to have people going and caretakers too, to have a space and have some kind of support right here through digital support if need be, because it, it's that way, we, we need to have this virtual support um, of supporting you getting through a concussion when maybe um, you don't feel you have somewhere else to go. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't see a doctor, of course you should, of course you absolutely should. But this is maybe like you feel um, that your tenderness is in a place where you're feeling that you've been let go of physio and osteo and occupational and your doctor is like, no, you're good now. And you, but you don't really feel that way. And you just need a little extra love and support and you need more tools in your self-care strategy to breathe better, meditate with caution, guide and care, do a little bit of movement, movement like yoga and um, a little bit of body resistance knowing how to breathe, having some strategies, techniques, and tools in your own arsenal of care for yourself to support yourself, feeling better to move on in the world, progressing with the care to your regular new now, your nourishing opportunity of wonder in this new space. Because honestly, until you've had a concussion, you don't get it. You can't talk to a person concussion. You can't ask the same questions. When you tell someone, I just told you that. If you got a concussion and you say that to someone with a concussion or with Alzheimer's or with Parkinson's or with dementia, that sentence is demoralizing to the very core of your being. It's completely a new path to that person of, okay, I cut you out at a completely new level of emotion. I cannot any longer trust you. You do not understand me as a human being in front of you hurting and in pain. And so going through this navigation of brainstorm gives us some tools and strategies and techniques with things like yoga nidra, breathing, alternate nostril breathing, breathing to help get you to sleep so that maybe you don't have to be on a plethora of drugs to help you get to sleep, you might still have to use those. And great, they're necessary and needed at times. Um, but you have just alternative things to help calm you, regulate you, support you in the day-to-day -day of dealing with what others feel as neutral as possible happen every day. They're not neutral to you anymore. They can be very big compositions of putting you into emotional states that you feel you don't have as much control over anymore. And now you can have a little bit more control. They can be in your, in your way. My husband had a serious bike accident one year ago. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And he had a very serious brain concussion. We've been, you know, we got through it. We got through the worst parts, but the, the main thing for him the first month after is that he was told to not be on any screens. And he was told that he had to literally put his brain to rest. So no screens, no reading, 
and even listening to certain things was off limits. So he spent probably 85% of that time in bed with his eyes covered, resting. And he's an extrovert. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I understand why that happened. And I have seen him shift and change in the last year. I have known that it changed him because I live with him and I've been with him for a long, long time. And yet it's some of it's real subtle, like other people may not notice. But if you live with someone and then suddenly they have a concussion, you can really see and you're living with the difference. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You just need to interview my husband. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you should interview my husband because um, I'm already so, uh, I will be very open here about this. I have no problem being open about this. My background as an athlete is that I have a sprinter background. So here's something about a sprinter nervous system. That means I have a very wit-filled brain. My brain, and I'm, and hmm, this is not very humble of me to say this, but it's part and parcel of getting quickly to this outcome. Sure. I'm very intellectually wise, tested, very smart. So I have tested Mensa level brain intelligence in certain components of intelligence test and quotia. That means not only does my brain function on an intelligence level very, very witty and smart and fast for things that are colloquially known and tested for, but then also my physicality and my nervous system responds very quickly. So here I am in this being that I can have a solution in my brain very fast to the point where all the solution will be figured out in my brain in an extremely quick amount of time, sometimes if a question is asked, I have the solution and then I'm working on other creative ideas to look at it differently while a person beside me may still be understanding what question has been asked. Mm. It just happens to be my construct, especially if it's a visual spatial question, I have it figured out and then other ways, something that could be placed, partitioned, geometrically designed, and uh, done. So how great that it is that I work with body and anatomy all the time and architecture and alchemy all the time. So now after having had 12 plus concussions um, and not being able to get a word, even though I can see it in my head, but it won't come out of my mouth and I can't get the right word to come out. I have the answer in my being, but my being won't communicate the word or the particular word that I'd like to use. I have all these solutions then backing up in my head and they can't come to the surface. So here's a very fast nervous system getting clogged. What will happen? I will have an emotional outburst of anger. And where it happens most is the people that I trust the most with. So I will, um, yeah, I'll have outbursts at home. It's silly outbursts. I'll contain it and contain it and contain it. Excuse me. At the studio, the yoga studio and the yoga therapy sessions where I can be calm and kind and tender because the issues aren't mine. They don't belong to me. I get to be soft. I get to 
be gentle. I get to have the quiet around me. I get to control the environment. I don't have to deal with um, the racing cars, the honking horns, the other people being mean to me. I get to tell someone, I love you. I care for you. I'm compassionate all day in my environment that I get to control the loving, compassionate factors, even though I have people coming into me telling me that they're not having that, I get to turn that around and be a solution for that not loving solution that someone else is going through. But then at home or getting to home, things will back up very quickly. The real world backs up super quick coming home. And then when I don't have the ability to communicate those quickly out, they all come running really quick through like a cross country race, right? All these runners trying to funnel through one at a time at the end of the race or all this liquid in a funnel coming, trying to get through the one little drip by drip by drip, mm-hmm. little spot into the funnel to the other bowl. So to try to help you understand a brain that has all the answers, but just can't get it out quick enough. So sometimes my very quick nervous system will actually explode. And I do all of the measures that I have to make it not happen, which is exhausting Mm. because I've had to work on that to get all the way home where safety is supposed to be. Mm. And then sometimes there's also, uh, and I please make sure you take this correctly. Sometimes there isn't that safety at home because I care so deeply for the ones at home and the real troubles are, I can't sometimes fix the problems at home. So it just all comes out. So, and, and it's safer. You always like kind of let things out more at home because you have trust with those people that they'll still love you even when you're angry. (laughs) Yeah. And there's an emotional, there's a level of emotional, you know, connection and you can kind of be a jerk to people that you really love and they'll still love you. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Most times. So yeah. Your story is just absolutely fascinating. And I can't, I mean, the, the level of bravery and courage and compassion that you've had during this process is, I mean, this comes out in your teachings. So I, it's, it's so wonderful that you can take this truly intense experience of how your life has been lived and what you've gone through and then flipping it. And so this kind of reminds me of something I saw on one of your beautiful IG posts, which was flip the script. Yeah. <laughs> flip the script. Because yeah. I think that's one of your genius. Like you, you flip the script all the time. Can you tell us what that is? Um, it's perspective. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's yogic. It's absolutely yogic. And, and I know, Jane, I know you know this. I, you live it all the time. So flip the script, bhavana. Pratikasha, um, bhavana. If we don't flip the script, you'll continue on in the path that's going to, you know, not manifest that which you can attain and, and that which you want to rise to. So this is about rising. This is about uh, lifting to your highest self. This is about living in your highest conscious levels. This is about um, being that which you're manifested to be. And um, I'm going to watch this because we could lose people here by talking just in yogic speak. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to make sure that we understand that you are a magnificently made human being. We are all and we can all believe in energy. That's the one thing that's so incredible 
that um, no one can dispute. Whether you're a scientist, a yogi, or none of that at all, we can all comprehend that um, things tangibly are or are not. And that's the one thing that's really lovely. So you can see that something is here or is not here. And that's exactly why flip the script really works. It either is or it isn't. So you can look at something and say, it is this way, or you can take it off of there and say, now it's no longer that way. So flip the script really works very well. It's especially important as we all look at the time that we're all experiencing in the world right now, it becomes extremely black and white. We are in a time of retreat that is black and white. I come and I'm gonna approach this for just a moment. All of the yoga I teach also comes from a place of a perspective of teaching from where people are most hurt. I meet people where they're at. Everybody comes to a perspective of where they're at from their deepest hurt. And they'll generally hide it through sarcasm or humor or come right out with it in their very, very um, polarized way of expressing the hurt or expressing the opposite of the hurt. And so one of the ways that you can uh, help support this is by allowing people to come to something very tactile that actually is rather than going to what they're afraid of, hmm. right? So just move to what is. Um, if you look in and for a moment further being a little bit yoga about this, if we look at the works of Iyengar, which I value um, in my traditional yogic training, you don't actually treat what's hurt. Mm -mm. And every physiotherapist is probably clapping and cheering right here, right now saying, yes, I'm glad sure. you said this. You don't <laughs> actually treat what's hurt. That is always an after effect of the actual cause of what's hurt. Every doctor is going, that's not procedure. That's not procedure. That's not procedure. <laughs> Doctors have procedurals that they have to follow because they're in sick care. In healthcare, we move away from exactly what's hurt and go and try to find the cause of what made the hurt follow through. So we look at if there's an ankle issue, we try to maybe look at the sacrum and the pelvis, maybe even the knee, right? The chain of command. We look at the chain of command. That's what Flip the Script does too. So you're getting a new perspective. You're trying to see what else has added to this layer and what can happen if we strip back and go to the root and see what's happening. This is really big, deep work on um, working in psychology and working in um, very particular post-traumatic stress disorder, right? In five seconds, what can you action rather than sticking in this one um, concerned way of non-compassionate, non-emotional way? Can you flip it into something very tactile and do an action, something that is totally non-emotional, but actioned work that is not based on what was just hurt, harmed, and done. You action it into something that's forward thinking and in the present. So I'm really a psychologist and I have to watch this because psychologists will be upset with me and I don't mean to be, yeah. How do you stay present right now in these crazy times? Um, nature, 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 really 
keeps me present. Um, my son keeps me present. Um, he's, I have a 16 year old son. So any teenage mom will understand how present that can keep you. Um, yeah, that keeps me really present. Um, and, uh, absolutely. Um, I've just seen that my computer is needing a little bit of power here. Um, so th- that's a good thing. I, I plug in, right. I plug into nature. Absolutely. I plug into nature. I plug into, um, when I have conversations, I'm all in. Um, I make sure that um, I lessen the distraction. I invite um, that concept of love in action. So I try to make sure that um, I finish Mm -hmm. conversations. I finish actions every day. I stay to time blockings of things daily. Um, I say yes to things um, that I'm really uh, engaged in. Um, I have, um, uh, I have, I stay present in the now by understanding that I'm excited for things to look forward to as well. That helps me to stay present because then there's little things to do that I want to do in the now that I know are really lovely for the future. But um, nature really helps me keep present. That's that's honestly a good thing to look at. That's also very Arabic. And your photos are so beautiful that you share in all of your social media. Just absolutely gorgeous. And thank you so much for being a guest today. I, I feel like you and I could just sit here for hours and hours. And so I'm going to have to invite you back. That would be lovely. Thank you so much, Jane. You're a gem. I just, I adore you. I believe in you. I'm so honored to be um, asked here today and, and to be asked back, my goodness. And um, we will get to test me together. Is that a promise? Woohoo! It will rise again. We just have to be in the retreat, as you say, yes. in, our, in our home retreat, in our new retreat. Yes. And we, we will return. So thank you so much. Thank you so Take much, care. Jane. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Anne is just an amazing woman. You can find out more about her in all of the show notes. She's at annegreenyoga.com. She is the Shinologist on Instagram, and her gallery on Instagram is wonderful. She does some beautiful meditations on there and really encourage you to follow up on that. She also is a person who has survived numerous, um, as we mentioned in the episode, brain concussions. And so this is kind of a frontier that's newly being developed in terms of how it's treated. And so I highly suggest that you look into her program Brainstorm if you or anyone you know have experienced a concussion because it's really critical how you heal from that. So do check that out. Really appreciate you being here with me today. And I'm so excited about my new community within. It's growing and it's just a real journey into our interior self where we find out all that we need to know about how to navigate our own loving kindness in a world that really resists. So you can also find out how to sign up for within in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next time. Take good care.